beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. And we have an awesome show for you today. Here we are with Thalassa Van Beek. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Very well, very well. Um, I'm currently in Spain and it's still very early here to cover all our time differences, but it's going well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and thank you so much for getting up super early to... Uh, chat with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Uh, no worries. We do. We do. <laughs> I'm happy to. So you have your cup of coffee and you're ready to roll. <laughs> Absolutely. What kind of coffee are you drinking right now? Actually, I love coffee. It's a uh, cafe con leche. Just coffee with milk, but I. It's just from a machine. Like it's no fancy beans or anything. Just the cups. <laughs> Let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about how? Uh, you got started on a travel journey. I know that you were working a nine to five and it just wasn't for you. Uh, when did you realize that it, that wasn't for you? Well, the job that I had was indeed, it wasn't a nine to five. It was a, a, a communications agency. And I was actually working in uh, the motorsports industry at the world championship levels. Like I was working with the biggest teams and very excited and very passionate about motorbikes. So when I got that job on paper, it was literally a dream coming true. But I started working there and then there were some things within the company that I worked for that just were making me very, very unhappy. So it was a big disappointment. And Actually, after two weeks, I already started counting the days that made me feel like I want to leave this job. So I think I stuck around for five months before I gave them my one month notice. So I stayed in total for six months. And then I was looking at, uh, at other jobs and applying for other jobs, but that didn't really go well. I wasn't very excited about the job opportunities that I saw. Then I thought, well, maybe I should just start working freelance and I can find my own work instead of having to apply and go through, through interview processes and you know, all those sort of things. At the same time, I was living with my back then boyfriend and he was this great guy and together we lived in this super big, beautiful house in a fancy neighborhood. Uh, we went to fancy restaurants two or three times per week, whenever we didn't feel like cooking, we would just go out for dinner and not just to the small cafe around the corner, but to nice restaurants. Just like with a job on paper, that all sounds really great. It sounds like something a lot of people are after and looking for and dreaming of. And I can't complain. Like it, that was a good life. You know, it was really nice and really comfortable. But I also started to realize that I was living his life which was a great life, but it wasn't mine. That's really how I started feeling. So this happened, this realization that I felt that way came around the same time as when I left the agency job. And then it has always been a dream of me to move to Spain, at least since five, well, by then four years. 
I had that dream. That's sort of, but then, and then in the end, I decided to leave him because I really wanted to move to Spain. I thought like, that's what I want in my life. So I told people and everyone said, oh, but you don't speak Spanish and the job market is really bad. How will you do that? So I just thought, well, if I make sure that all my work is online, when I go freelance, then I can just take my laptop with me. Yeah. Then that would solve itself. Like I'd never heard of the term digital nomad. I never talked to people who, who work that way, but I just figured, you know, if, if my clients are inside my laptop, I can bring my laptop with me and keep working. So yeah, that's basically, and I was wrong. It wasn't, I had that dream for three years to move to Spain when I started doing that. So then I started freelancing. I made sure all my work was online. And then I realized, well, if I can move to Spain, I can go anywhere. That's when the, when the traveling started, basically. Nice. So you said you gave up the boyfriend, the home, the comfortability of what you knew was your day to day. How do you finally make that decision? Because I think that a lot of people who dream moving abroad one day in their lives, they always put into consideration everybody else, right? Yeah. And how it impacts their relationship, how it impacts their family dynamic and this and the other. When was it for you that you was just like, I got to put me first? There wasn't so much one exact day where I made that decision. It was more, I was just being very unhappy for a couple of months and I couldn't really, in the beginning, I couldn't really tell why. I thought it was just a job that made me unhappy. Then I left a job. I still wasn't happy. And, and I looked at the things around me. And, and again, I had this great guy next to me with was living in this beautiful house and I still wasn't happy. So then you have to look inside yourself like, well, what is it then? And I slowly came to the realization like, yeah, this is a great life, but it's not mine. The thing that did make it easier for me was that, of course, I, I had my boyfriend, which was a really, obviously a really big deal and a big consideration. But other than that, I've always had friends all over, I don't want to say all over the world, but all over Europe at least. So there's only one friend back in the Netherlands that I used to see two times a week. But other than that, I'm used to not seeing my friends for maybe two or three months. And also family-wise, basically my family consists of just my dad and me, and and we're, we're not even that close. So I guess that was... For me, at least in this case, a good thing because I didn't have over-concerned parents who were felt like I would leave them alone. And I didn't have this group of close friends who I was going to miss. So that made it a lot easier. Yeah, so totally understand that because, you know, when we were talking actually before the recording how I was still looking for my home base and how you're saying that Netherlands, it never felt like home. How did you decide on Spain to be your home base? Right, so I, I've always traveled quite a bit never for longer periods but I did like short trips short holidays weekend trips and so I had seen a lot of places already but five years ago I met a guy from Barcelona and we dated and so I was in Barcelona maybe I don't know like maybe maybe 10 times 20 times and we, we didn't date for too long just a few months so but you know I, I came to the city a lot and I got to see it through the eyes of a local basically and I always say that I fell out of love with the guy but I'm still in love with the city back then he actually asked me to to move to Barcelona and move in with him 
And, you know, at first I was like, no, that's where we, we haven't been together that long. It's not a good idea. But then slowly I started to think like, well, why not? I wanted to, I knew I wanted to move abroad someday anyway. So I figured, well, I may as well give it a try. So that's sort of when my mind opened to the idea of moving to Barcelona. We actually broke up before I made the move. So it didn't happen back then. But that idea of, okay, I'm going to move to Barcelona that just stuck with me. I think that's great, though, because I love the saying that you said, I, um, I may have fell out of love with him, but I fell in love with the, the city, right? Yeah. So you found a connection in a place, which is great. And with that, how did you come into becoming a freelancer? You said you had never heard of like the digital nomad or all of those things before. So how did you start your online presence, your online business? Right. So I maybe it's good to say what I do. I work in online marketing. I do social media and content marketing mostly. And so I had these skills already. Like I knew what to do. I, I didn't need to learn new skills to work online. I just really simply, I just started Googling online social media jobs. And I took it from there. I found this website, Upwork, which is probably known by a lot of people, but it's uh, it's basically a, a job board. And companies worldwide post on there what they need from freelancers and as a freelancer you can apply so that's what i started doing i just applied to my whole point was to get location independence as fast as possible so i applied to almost every job or every project that i saw and thought i could do i wasn't very selective i just wanted to start making money online and didn't matter what exactly i was doing as long as it was sort of related to online marketing, I was happy to do it. And from there, it grew. I started going to these events where I met people. I started talking about this on Facebook and LinkedIn, and that led to some clients. Yeah, I just started looking around. I told everyone what I was doing, what kind of work I was looking for. So that also gave some referrals. Yeah, that's how it started. Okay, sorry about that, Francis. And I was having a a, a moment of who's going to speak first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Francis, I'll let you have the floor. Go for it. <laughs> okay, great. So, tell us a little bit more about Upwork because I know Upwork can be difficult to penetrate only because of the bids, and most some freelancers are willing to work at certain prices, while some freelancers aren't. And what was that experience like for you? And, and what advice could you offer for someone who would like to freelance on Upwork? Yeah, I hear all the stories about people are being so annoyed with Upwork and they really don't like it. And they tell people not to use it. I have to say, I'm glad I never heard these stories when I started because this just looked like the perfect place for me. And I just went for it. I still think it's a really good place, especially when you're getting started. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, when I decided to start freelancing, obviously I left the, the agency job uh, but I didn't have any savings. So I decided to get a temporary job as a waitress. So I was working as a waitress for 35 hours per week. And then I spent another 30 hours per week on building up my uh, my freelance work. But anyway, my wage at the, at the cafe where I worked was 10 euros per hour. And I basically said, okay, I'll take any job on Upwork that makes the same or more. There's a lot of jobs on there for, I think, three dollar per hour which i'm just not gonna do and that's just not good enough for me living in the netherlands that's you know it's not gonna cover my costs 
So that canceled out a lot of jobs because it's true. There's a lot of really, really low paying jobs on Upwork. Just ignore those. Like don't even bother. You have to, to look through all these jobs. But there are some filters you can apply to the search results, which will, which will help you a bit with that. So that was the first thing. I would just ignore the low paying jobs. And then people are talking about all the competition that's on there. But what I've noticed and what I've heard from clients that I found on there is that a lot of your competitors on Upwork are not reliable. They're not showing up. They're not sticking to the deadlines. They don't reply to messages, bad communicators. So really just by showing up, having a professional attitude, like treat this not as a hobby, but treat this as the thing that is going to get you out of your nine to five, the thing that is going to help you travel, treat it seriously, just deliver what you've promised. And I don't know, just whatever you would do for, you know, if you would work, if you would have to go to an office every day, you would be there, you would show up, you would deliver the work, you would make sure it's of good quality. If your boss would ask you something, you would reply, do the same thing to your, to your clients on Upwork. And just by that, seriously, you're already beating 90% of your competition. Nice. I mean, that's good advice. I mean, anybody who is serious about creating a business for themselves should go into it with a professional attitude. So that's that's wonderful advice. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Now, did you develop a clientele with Upwork prior to moving to Spain or did you just take that leap and say, I hope it works out? Because as a freelancer, I mean, you only get paid when you have work. So thriving really depends on the amount of clients you're able to obtain and retain. So how did that work for you? Like I said, I don't have any savings and I'm pretty careful with money. I'm not, yeah, like, so, I mean, I'm okay-ish living without savings, at least when I was in my, when I was in my twenties, but I don't do anything crazy. Like I wanted to feel secure because I just, now I get super stressed when I get in financial problems. So like I said, I started this job as a waitress. So in total, I was working in the beginning, like 60 hours a week, 35 at the 30 to 35 at the cafe. And then another 30 hours or so finding these freelance clients and working on their projects. I did that for a while. Then the more freelance clients I got, the less hours I took at the cafe until after six months, I felt comfortable that I was getting enough money every month from my freelance work. So that's when I decided that I would survive without the waitress work. So that process took me six months. And then, yeah, I think that was in... Yeah, that was in June or July. And then I made my first trip mid-August. And then in the end, it took another after... Yeah, so in total, from when I started freelancing until I actually moved to Spain was almost two years. But only because the last year of those two, I just traveled so much. But yeah, yeah, for your question, I stayed here or I stayed in the Netherlands until I felt secure enough with my monthly income. And when I saw that I had, I was actually, wasn't stable. It was growing every month. So when I felt confident enough that that would keep going that way, that's when I started traveling and then later moved my home base to Spain. 
Nice. Okay. So that's great. I mean, at least you got to a point where you felt secure enough to do so. So you did a lot of traveling prior to moving to Spain. Can you tell our listeners where you have traveled to and maybe give us one of your best uh, places that you have been? Yeah, I've traveled outside of Europe before I started freelancing, just on holidays. But during this year, this year that I traveled so much, most of it was inside Europe. And they were not super long trips, like maybe a week up to, I think the longest I did was four weeks. Oh, where did I go? I went quite a couple of times to Bulgaria, actually. There's this one teeny tiny village. It's called, it's called Bansko. I met the owners at a conference. Uh, sorry, there's a co-working space there. And I met the owners at a conference in Belgium. And I read a lot about them in various Facebook groups. And it sounded like such a cool place that I wanted to check it out. And I went there in total four times last year. I'm going back, going back again this year. It's this tiny mountain village. And it's just great if you love the outdoors. In the winter season... It's really popular for skiing and snowboarding and all these things that I'm not into. But if that's what you like, it's a good place in winter. But in summer, it's just everything you can do in the mountains, you can do there. So hiking and horse riding and rafting and, I don't know, motorbike riding and oh, just so many cool activities. And then there's this co-working space where there's a big community of digital nomads and everyone is super ambitious, but at the same time, also really these outdoors people. So there's always someone who would join you if you want to go do something fun. And I mean, it helps. It's super cheap to be there. Yeah, if you want to go to Europe and to one of the less obvious places, that's definitely one I would recommend if you're into all all these outdoor sports. I've been to various places in Spain, Spain and the Canary Islands, been to Tenerife. Yeah, where else? I did go to various places in Italy, Germany, Greece. Greece was really, really nice. Um, there's, oh, there's so many, many beautiful cities here and beautiful spots. <laughs> so we were talking earlier. And so would you consider yourself someone who travels off the beaten path? Because you had said that, because you haven't done the, like you said, you call them the obvious places such as Bali and such do you normally travel off the beaten path i just kind of go where i feel like going and sometimes those are the obvious places and sometimes they are not i mean where i am now barcelona it's a super popular destination so i guess that would be considered an obvious place but hey it's just the city i fell in love with so it doesn't really matter to me if it's obvious or not and then there's other places where no one ever goes but I, no i want to check that out and then i go so i just i don't want to say that i travel off the beaten path but i just go where i feel like going and it can be either way okay so question now that you're living in spain are there any and this will probably be a little different for some of our listeners because you're from the netherlands but like visa requirements do you need a specific visa every certain amount of time because with me being an American and living in Thailand we need to have a visa pretty much every 30 days so there's a lot of what we call visa runs where we have to leave the country and come back do you have to do that in order to stay in Barcelona? Like you said I'm from the Netherlands so it's all within the European Union I realize that's a very luxurious position to be in because we can just move around through Europe 
through the EU or yeah, as much as we want. So no, I don't need the visa or anything to be here. That's fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I'm sure at some point I would have made this move even if it did require a visa change. But the fact that it was so easy for me to move here really, really made made it easier to do this in, how do you say that? Like the, the, the fact that I didn't have to worry about that made it a lot easier to make this move. The thing is also, if if you would have to do all these visa runs, I think if I would have to do that, I would still feel like, I'm traveling while my whole point of being here was that I actually wanted to have my home base here. I did apply for the social security and the the personal identification number here and all the other official documents that you need to actually live here. But yeah, I've met some people from the US who are living here as well. And they, I think like they either get like a student visa for the ones who are a bit younger or there are people from the US and some from Canada that, that live here and really moved here. But just yesterday, actually, there was a friend from Canada. And after one and a half year, she finally got her official approval to actually live here and not having to do the visa Ooh. runs anymore. I know that's like a joyous moment for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, Talasa, tell us a little bit about your website, Freelance Kickstarter. Well, so... When I started this whole freelancing journey, let's call it, things were going really, really well. Like within six months after starting, I could make a full-time living out of freelancing all remote. Um, Exactly one year after I started, I was making the same income as I was at the agency. And now it's been two years now. Things have only gone better. Like this month, I'm sending out invoices for 5,000 euro. And most of that is just monthly retainers. So, you know, I've, yeah, I, it's been going really well. And especially because I work maybe 15 or 20 hours a week and people see that. And so they, they start asking me questions like, oh, but where do I start? How do I do that? What do I need to know? What can I learn? Where do I find my clients? It's super overwhelming when you're at the beginning of this journey. So more and more people started asking me for help and advice. So I decided to start a Facebook group because just with the idea, well, then I can help more people at once because I really enjoyed helping these people. But at the same time, I was giving this, I was answering the same questions over and over and over and over again. So I figured, well, if there's a group where all these people are in, I can just also help them. But with one answer, I can help way more people. That's how it started. And then slowly I got to learn what what the exact pain points were for everyone, what their fears were, what their biggest struggles were in this journey. So one of the things was that a lot of people felt they had the skills from their nine to five jobs. They knew how to do the work. They just didn't know how to get started and how to find these clients. So just recently, I launched an online course, also called the Freelance Kickstarter, and it's really focusing on client acquisition. So if you're, yeah, just like I said, if you're an aspiring freelancer and you know you can do it, you just don't know how to start, then that's what it will help you with. That's awesome. I mean, seriously, that's awesome to have such a great resource. And I think that that's what people are totally looking for when 
they know they want to do something. They just don't know how to begin or where to start. So kudos to you for creating a platform for people to get the information. I think that's awesome. And we'll make sure that the information is in your show notes for them to contact you on your website and via Facebook. So that's great. That's absolutely amazing. So thank you for that. What has been a few of the questions that you get from people or the number one question that you get from someone who is wanting to move abroad? Well, so the people who ask me is not so much about they really want to move abroad, but more they want to start traveling, whether or not they really want to move, that's that, that differs. But yeah, just how to be location independent. Well, usually they start with, where do I start? Or how do I do that? And that's obviously, it's such a broad question. Like you can't even really answer that because do you have the skills? Yes or no. And you know, what's, what's your goal? What, what do you want to do? What do you enjoy doing? But for the people who have more specific questions, I guess the number one question is indeed like, where do I find clients? And another question that I get a lot and that I see a lot on various platforms is, how do I find a community? How do I, basically, how do I make sure I won't be lonely? To that, I often answer that at least what, what really works for me is I love going to co-working spaces and also where available going to co-living spaces. And I think especially co-living spaces, they are just, they're the best. It's not something that I would want to do long-term, I think. I like my privacy too much. But for example, when you travel and you go to a co-living space for, let's say, one month, you so co-living is literally what it says. Like you move into a house where there's other people living as well and you live and you work together, basically. you're If you go there, then you're surrounded by all these people who who are looking for similar things. You know, They want to be location-independent. They're building their own business. At the same time, they want to discover new places, go on adventures. So it's people that are, at least what I found, people that are really similar to me. And it's funny because at the same time, they're all very, very different. They come from all walks of life, all sorts of cultures, backgrounds, religions. And for me, that too was so interesting. I'm raised, cried with, you know, a little bit just judgmental parents, I guess. You know, if you would have too many tattoos or if you would have like a, a, a nose, your, your nose pierced with a ring or something. You know, if you would just look different than the average person in the Netherlands, then there was probably something wrong with you. And that's the way I was raised. So I didn't know much better until I was old enough to have my own opinions. So going to these co-living spaces and living with all these different people, it was such an eye-opener and it was so inspiring and it only motivated me more to see the rest of the world and meet different cultures and and then at the same time so it's you're there with all these different people but it's also very good for work because when you sometimes you just have an off day and you you don't really feel like working but then you see all these people around you who are working and you think maybe you would even say like hey who's gonna go to the beach today and they would be like um yeah this afternoon but i want to put in some work first then it's easy to say, okay, fine, I'll put in some work as well. So it's it's really, it's good for business. It's good for yourself as a person because you get to know all these new people. Then, yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, and you always have people around, you know, when you, if you go alone to a new city, you don't know where to find friends. But when you know you're going to stay at a co-living space, you know that you'll have a group of friends. So that has really 
really been a good thing for me. So I think that's very important because the freelance lifestyle and being location independent, it sounds romantic, but it can get a little lonely over time. So it's good that you shared those resources and at least folks can know where to go and, and to make those connections and to maintain those connections. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm sure everyone will have their own way of finding people, but at least for me, co-working and, and also or co-living and also co-working, it really, it just makes it easier. I mean, I'm 30 years old now. You don't go up to people anymore and say like, hey, you seem nice. You want to be my friend. You know, you can't do that when you're older than six, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know when you go I to this I do it all the time. I'd be like, hi, my name is Nubia. <laughs> yeah, well, I I wish I was brave enough to do that, but no, that's and but but so in these co-working, co-living situations, you just naturally connect with each other because you have lunch together or you do stuff together and yeah, you make friends and it's just easier. Well, I think the best way of putting it also and the message to get from this is you are surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. So it's a great place to be motivated you know, because these people are doing the same thing. They're either freelancers or they're travelers who still have contracts to to submit and deadlines to, to make. And you're with other professionals. So when you surround yourself around like-minded individuals, things happen. You know, opportunities open themselves. It's a way to meet people like yourself. And that's one of the things I try to tell people when they say, oh, I wish I could travel like you or do whatever. And it's just like, well, you can, but if you're surrounded by the same people who don't care to want to travel, who don't have the means to travel, it's going to weigh you down where you still don't travel. Join a travel group, meet some people who enjoy traveling, things like that. So it's great that co-working and co-living spaces allow you that opportunity to surround yourself with like minded individuals. Yes, absolutely. That's so true. Also, I know some people who travel and they stay sometimes at hostels, but the problem, and I guess you can quite easily make friends there as well, but the problem there is, of course, those people are on holiday, most of them. So they party and they go out all day and they just want to have fun, which is cool to join for a few days, but it's not going to help you stay focused on your work. It's not going to help you grow your business or your career. And it's funny what you what you just said, like, you know, have the people around you that you want to be like, I guess. I was just talking to a friend here in Barcelona the other day, and she said, like, we were talking actually about jealousy because some people see us. She's, she's doing similar work as, as we're at least living a similar life as to I do. And like I just said, like, I, I make pretty good money now. And I don't work a lot. So I have a lot of time to do fun things. And some people get jealous, I guess. I just, I don't even really see it because I just choose to not bother with those people. But I'm sure there's people, you know, I'm sure there's some haters out there for me. But what she said was like, well, I want to be surrounded by people who are already at the next level in what I want to do, whether it's because they're further in their business or whether it's because they're already traveling more or whatever it is that you want for yourself. Be surrounded by people who are already a few steps ahead of you because that's where you learn from. That's when you you get inspired by and that's who's going to motivate you and and maybe coach you a bit in getting there. I think it's a 
best thing you can do for yourself. Like my career, I think, really went to the next level once I felt like I found my tribes, basically, when I found all these other people who did the same thing. When I started to learn about digital nomads and I found all the Facebook groups for them. Yeah, you know, that's when you take the next step, when you have people around you who, who are already ahead of you. I know you're absolutely right about that because it's like, you know, certain people are going to drag you down and that's not what you need. You need people who are going to keep you up there and on top and on top of things. And so that leads me to ask you, how do you stay productive? I mean, you're your own boss, freelancer. It's really easy to be like, and again, that's a very romanticized lifestyle, but how do you stay focused from nine to five or whatever it is that you set or how do you schedule your hours? So I think it's almost like a muscle that you have to train. I'm a, by nature, I'm a very big procrastinator. If I don't have a deadline, then I'll probably do it tomorrow and, or it's always tomorrow. Same Z's. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing is like very quickly you realize, Hey, if I keep procrastinating this, then I'm not going to make money this month and I still need to pay my rent and my bills and everything. So I better get it done. Quite early in my freelance career, I I realized that. And I mean, and like I said, I I knew from day one that I had to be professional. So I would do everything the last hour before the deadline, but I would get it done by the deadline and I would never be late. So having deadlines is one thing that helps. But then if your deadline is two weeks, then you can still procrastinate for two weeks. Because of that, in the beginning, everything I was doing was taking me a lot of time because I would start a day and then spend too much time on Facebook or watch on Netflix or just do random, random things. While I was actually in work mode, because even when I watched a Netflix episode that I shouldn't be watching, while I'm watching, I'm thinking, oh, I still need to do this. I still need to do that. So you don't really relax either. You're just wasting time. And by the end of the day, because you stay in that work mode, by the end of the day, you feel like you've been working for 10 hours while your productive hours have actually been maybe three of them. I got better at that in the last, only the last maybe six months, to be honest. I started working with to-do lists and really, really stick to them. And even that is like a muscle that you need to train because yeah, you can write to-do lists, but just as well, you can take something off your to-do list and put it in tomorrow's to-do list. You just get better at it. And it's also over time you realize, okay, if I'm just going to be super productive in the morning, then I can get everything done before lunch and I have the rest of the day to really enjoy and not still being half in work mode, but to switch off the work mode and just have some fun. But it's, yeah, really, if you're a procrastinator, it's just training yourself. That's that's all I can say about it, I guess. Oh, sorry about that. I was on mute. I was talking and I was like, uh, I can't hear myself. <laughs> no, that's, that's the truth is being an entrepreneur, it's a great thing, but it's also extremely time consuming. And until you put your hours that you put into your business in perspective, you spend actually more hours on your personal business than you would if you worked a regular nine to five. But the difference is you're doing something with passion. You're doing it because you love it, not because you have to. Because I know even with Francis and I, I'm, there's times we're up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I'm just like, I can't, I, I need to get some sleep. Like the ideas seem to all come at once. It's flowing. And I'm like, let's Francis, keep going. Laughing. <laughs> I'd be like, let's keep going. <laughs> 
and I'm literally, and I'm usually like, I can't mess with you tonight. Like I'm going to bed. <laughs> let's, let's get, I'm like schedule a meeting, put it on my calendar because literally we can go hours brainstorming. And I'm just like, how many hours did we just spend on the phone? And I'm like, you're a full-time job, man. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it sort of comes in waves. Like I have these periods where I just focus on my client work. And yeah, but in, in the beginning, that took a lot of time, but by now I got a lot more efficient and I'm more experienced. So I'm, I'm getting faster. So like I said before, my client work is now maybe 15 to 20 hours per week. So that's really not that much. But then the, let's say the creative waves and the, the things that I want to do with my own projects, sometimes it's just calm and I just do it and it's not that many extra hours. But then I have these waves of inspiration and creativity and all these new ideas. And yeah, then I'm the same. I, I keep working at it until 2 or 3 a.m. But those are my passion projects almost. And they don't feel like work. They're fun to do. And this, this freelance Kickstarter is, the, is a good example of that. Like when I, I have all these one-on-one conversations outside the group as well, because people are sort of shy to ask questions. So they, they don't want to do it in the group. And I chat with them until the early morning hours, basically. But that's fun. That's just, it's like this, even like this, this interview, I, we started talking at 7 a.m., but it's fun. Like, come on, this isn't work. This isn't, this isn't anything like that. This is talking to cool people. Like, yeah, what's not to like about that? I love it. (laughs) So Talasa, let me ask you a question. It's just a quick, fun question. You've been living in Spain now for a few months. When did you realize that you were a local, like you were just kind of part of the community and part of the culture? I wouldn't call myself a local yet, to be honest. I mean, I really want to be and I try to fit in, but I don't speak Spanish yet. And that's a pretty big one, obviously. I really want to fit in. So I'm taking classes and, you know, I'm learning, I'm trying, but I'm definitely not a local yet. But what I do know is that I really feel at home. And it's just because I and I know this sounds like a crazy happy person, but every single day that I'm here, when I walk around the streets, I just start smiling to myself. Like last night, for example, I went out for dinner with with a friend and I decided to walk back instead of taking the subway. And so it was like half an hour walk through. It's this area called Eixample and it's a very typical area of Barcelona where I can't even explain it, but... The squares and the the streets are all similar, but all very pretty. And there's literally like countless cute little bars and restaurants and it's just buzzing. It's like such a good vibe and you can, it's a really big area. So I had to walk for like 30 minutes through this area and it was just nice street, cute restaurant, nice shop, funny people on the street. Like it was such a good vibe. And for half an hour, I was walking around with this big smile on my face thinking, I'm actually in love with this city. Like, this is how I behave. This is what I look like when I'm in love with with a person. And now I just randomly smile. I'm in love with this city. And that, I mean, it's only been four months now, but every single day. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not a local, but I'm definitely home. 
I think that's Absolutely. beautiful. I, it's it's amazing because it's the same thing that happens to me in Thailand as well. There's times when I'm on my motor scooter and I'm just trotting around the city and I'll come across something new that I haven't seen or go somewhere that I haven't been and I light up and I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I live in Thailand. Yeah, yeah, exactly that feeling. Yes, absolutely. And it just it brings a sense of happiness that I haven't felt in such a long time to wake up and open your doors and, and be like, whoa. So I totally can get that. Really. <laughs> I think it's just a really pure form of happiness when you can just be somewhere or like me last night, just walk around somewhere and truly be happy. Like that's like that's the best feeling there is, I think. Yeah, I think that's called gratitude. <laughs> when you just in absolute gratitude of <laughs> where you are and everything else. Yeah. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So Talasa, let me ask you one last question. What advice would you give to folks who are thinking of doing what you're doing? Freelancing, traveling, all that good stuff. Right. What would be the advice? I think after the, you know, the conversation we had today, for now what I would say is if you really want to do this, then take it seriously because like I said, it's to get started, it's hard work. I, in the beginning, I put in 60, 70 hours a week. And you, I mean, I was happy to because this is what I really, really wanted. But you have to be willing to do that. And you have to be willing to sacrifice some things. And the thing is, once you actually do it, it doesn't feel like sacrificing. But I know that it feels like that from the outside. So you have to be willing to take that step and you know, sacrifice your the, the stability, sacrifice some of your time. Maybe, especially when you're coming from a good job, you have to sacrifice financially for a while. Now I make it sound worse like it is because really I want to emphasize once you're actually doing it, it doesn't feel like sacrificing. But that's what you need to realize. Like, Just take it seriously. Be willing to, to put in the work and the time and the effort. Yeah, that's and take action. Don't don't doubt forever whether or not you should do it. If it's what you want, then just go for it. Uh, someone said the other day, like, have you ever met a freelancer or some uh, like an entrepreneur or whatever who said, oh, I wish I didn't, I hadn't taken this, this step. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I've never met a freelancer or an entrepreneur saying that. All of them said, oh, I wouldn't want to go back anymore. Even if they, some of them would go back, but they would still would have never wanted to miss the period where they were a freelancer or an entrepreneur. And that by itself should tell you something. It's so worth it to take the risk and to, to sacrifice a bit. I think that's solid advice. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. So I just want to say thank you so yes. much for being on the so show. Awesome. This was thank great. You. This gave us a good perspective. This gave us a good perspective from a freelancer's point of view for people out there that are considering becoming freelancers. So can you give our listeners a little bit about how to find you on your website, your social media handles? 
Yes. Probably the easiest one if you go to freelancekickstarter.com or if you're interested in joining the Facebook group. It's it's totally free. There's no commitment or anything. You can just join as you like. If you just search in the Facebook bar for Freelance Kickstarter, then you'll find the group. You can join it. You can also search for me, Talasa van Beek. I guess my name will be written down in the show notes. And But probably the easiest way is via the Freelance Kickstarter group, and you'll find me inside that group, of course. Perfect. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Talasa, for joining us today. We really enjoyed you on the show. Thank you for having me. It was such a fun talk, such a good way <laughs> to start the day. <laughs> <laughs> thank you well hopefully we'll look forward to having you back one day and give us a follow-up and see where you are in six months or something you know what i mean i think that's also a great way to stay connected is now that we've had this conversation this is how you meet people globally and when we make our way to europe we'll definitely reach out and see if we can finally sit down and maybe have some cafe con leche together <laughs> yeah absolutely i was just gonna say i hope that follow-up conversation will be face to face here in barcelona you would be i would be so happy to host you here if you ever want to come over awesome thank you so much Talasa. thank you for tuning in to chronicles abroad please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms head over to itunes to subscribe rate and leave a review Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.